0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's Word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn His truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. We're continuing our study on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're getting closer to the end. We still have a few more left to go, but uh, allow me to read this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, For this is the law and the prophets. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for the truth of your word. Lord, that we have it, that we can read and study and meditate on it day and night. Lord, that you can use your word to speak to us. but Lord, we also depend on your Holy Spirit to give us understanding, to be able to interpret as to how we are to live out your word. And Lord, we pray today that you, through your Spirit, Will give us wisdom and guidance and understanding of Your Word, so that we can live it out, live according to Your will. Lord, thank You for this time together. Thank You for this Word that You've given us today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Some people wonder why I don't preach topical messages. That I preach chunks of Scripture, like the uh, Sermon on the Mount, all together. Well, it's so easy to take Scripture out of context. And this is one of the primary scriptures that's probably been taken out of context more than most others. Some people think that when you ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find, knocking and it would be open to you, that this is our free ticket to get whatever we want from God. We can just ask Him anything and because we're a child of God, we can get it. We can seek anything. We can seek fame and fortune and get that. We can knock on the door of opportunity and get whatever we want. That is not what the Scripture is saying. As I've always shared with you, always read the corresponding Scripture around so you're not taking it out of context. Look at the Scripture as a whole, which means we need to go back a little bit and see where we are in Scriptures, as well as the Bible as a whole. So what we've dealt with a couple weeks ago, my last time here, is that God was wanting us to First, examine our own hearts to make sure that we're living a godly, God-Christ-centered life. And then he wants us to look at and examine the lives of other Christians. And when we see someone who is struggling in their faith, and they're veering off the course of Christ, and they're making wrong choices in their lives, God wants us to gently draw them back. And so, how do we do that? Well, so many times we want to just say, well, I, I can do this. I can figure out what I need to do. I can figure out what I need to say. But that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to depend on Him in all things. And so right after He says for us to use godly discernment and judgment, first to examine our own hearts and lives, and then to help draw others back to the center part, uh, walk of their lives with Christ, He says, here's how to do it. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Ask God how to do what he wants us to do. As we ask, he will show us the way. He will give us the wisdom and the understanding. So that's exactly what uh, verses 7 through 11 are talking about. It's showing us how that we are to examine our lives as Christians and quickly realize that even we struggle with being right in Christ. We struggle to live godly lives that enable us to mentor others, to help draw them back to the center walk of faith in their lives. And so how do we follow this commandment? To, to be used by God to judge others, not in a judgmental way, but to see the lives of others who are struggling in the faith and to be used by Him to draw them back to Christ. Well, let's look at verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 gives us three imperatives. Ask, seek, and knock. Notice that sometimes Jesus will say, when you fast, which means that we're not to fast all the time, or if you fast, which means we're, we may or may not be fasting. But he doesn't give the if or the when in this situation. He says, these are imperatives. Ask, seek, knock, do these things, and You'll also notice that they're continuous action. It's not just a one-time thing that we do, and it's over with. It is a lifestyle. This is how we are to live with our relationship with the Lord. So we look and we see that he tells us that we're to use discernment when we help others. How do we find this discernment? Where does this discernment come from? It's not just naturally inborn. Uh, There are some brilliant people. There are psychologists and psychiatrists that, that study to understand the human psyche and to understand what makes people tick. And they can manipulate people by how they say things. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about God working in and through us to do His will. So how do we get out of the human mindset and to get into the spiritual mindset? Well, this is what God is saying to do. Ask ask what are we asking we're asking him to show us how to do his will how to do what he's calling us to do well if we look at the verses right before this what he's wanting us to do is to examine our own hearts first and then to be used by him to draw others back to the center of their walk with Christ how do we do that how do we have this discernment we ask for wisdom we ask for godly spiritual wisdom and we find this throughout the Word of God. One of the famous passages is found in James chapter 1, verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So the greatest request that we can ask God for is wisdom. If you remember back in the Old Testament, David had... Uh, uh, a kingdom that God had used him to build, and he was succeeded by his son Solomon. Solomon was young. He had a lot going for him, but he understood that he couldn't do it all himself. And so God kind of tested him and said, Solomon, ask for whatever you want, and it will be given to you. Solomon could have asked for all the wealth in the world, all the power and glory and prestige that the world could afford him, but he didn't. He said, Lord, I don't know how to rule over these people. I need you to give me the wisdom to be able to do what you've asked me to do. So he asked for wisdom. Not only did God give him wisdom, but he gave him the power and the wealth and the fame. So when we look, we see that God, when we ask for wisdom, first of all, he gives it abundantly. He doesn't hold it back. He says, I will give you all you can handle. I will give you all the wisdom that you need to accomplish what I've called you to do. But if you look at the next verse, it says, verse 6 in James chapter 1, But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So it's one thing for us to ask for wisdom, but we need to ask spiritually we need to say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I believe and trust that you will give me your wisdom in order to do this. And so we're asking for this wisdom, and we're asking in faith. See, only the Spirit of God can guide the child of God to do the will of God. Think about that for a second. If you want to do the will of God, can you do it on your own? Can you do it in your own strength and abilities. You cannot, you will not be able to. So only the Spirit of God can God give us wisdom as children of God to do the will of God. So James not only says that when we ask, He will give us wisdom and give it to us generously, but he also says, and without reproach. In other words, God is not upset with us when we ask Him for help. Now, I know being raised by my parents, there were times that they told me how to do something and I didn't do it right. And so, you know, you, you ask for help again and you ask for help again. After a while, they're kind of tired of telling you how to do it. They figure you should know this by now. Well, sometimes we have the same fear with God that we have messed up so many times that he won't answer us again. That he will say, listen, I've already told you, I've told you, I've told you. Now, go figure it out. But it says without reproach. God's not upset with us when we ask. He is tickled to death that we are willing to say, I cannot do this in my own strength and abilities. I need you, God. I need your Holy Spirit to infill my heart, my mind, my entire being, so that I will be able to do your will. So we look and we see that when we ask, we will receive. That's his promise. Ask, and it will be given to you. Then the next one is seek, and you will find. What does the word seek mean? Well, it's a term for searching. Well, how do you search out what is of God? Well, we have been blessed with something called the Bible, the Word of God. Now, there's too many people that try to take a shortcut and say, I don't want to spend time reading, studying, meditating on the Word of God. I'd rather just ask God to give me the answers. We've we've all been there, haven't we? Well, the thing is, God's already given us the instructions. God has already told us many things that we should already be doing. But the way that we find out what God wants us to do is to read and study and meditate on His Word. We need to be seeking out His truths. See, every time that you open up the Word of God, whether it's in the morning or the evening or many times in between, every time that you open up the Word of God and read it, prayerfully reading it, Let me tell you something. Before you open up the Word of God, pray first. Pray before you read the first word. Say, Lord, this is your word. I need your spirit to give me understanding of your word. If I read it on my own, I'm going to come up with some human idea. I don't need that. I need your truths to be penetrated into my heart and mind. So pray first. Read, study, meditate. What do I mean by read, study, meditate? Read it first. Read it again. Say, what does this mean? How does it apply to my life? Meditate on it and say, Lord, if this is your truth, then I need to live it out. How do I live it out? You start thinking about how this is true to you. And you start saying, this is how I ought to live according to this truth. So God is saying to seek his truth. And it will be given to you. Now... In Jesus' day when he was preaching this, they had scrolls in the synagogues. They didn't have, everybody did not have the Word of God. So how did they do this? Well, it means that they needed to be faithful to studying the Word of God through the rabbis. Unfortunately, they were not always accurate in their interpretation. But we today have this beautiful gift called the Bible. We have the privilege to read, study, meditate His Word, to search out these truths and to apply them to our lives. So how are we to treat other people? Well, study the Bible. See what God does. See how Jesus interacted with society. How He modeled the perfect lifestyle. Read and study and meditate on the life of Christ and you'll figure out how to do the things that God's calling you to do. So we look and we see that first we're to ask God For wisdom, then we're to seek by exploring the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. A little lengthy, but it talks about exactly what I've just shared about seeking out these truths. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, Lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will you will discern the fear of the Lord, and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Do you see the seeking and the searching and the God giving us his treasures as a result? That's exactly what He's wanting us to do. So we look and we see seeking and uh, asking and seeking, now we look at knock. You know, knocking is a persistence. In this day, we still have a few people come and ring our doorbell or knock on the door. And you can always tell if it's a salesperson cause they don't give up. They'll ring the doorbell and they'll wait a few minutes. And then they'll assume the doorbell doesn't work so they knock on the door, and they figure, well, you may be a little harder of hearing, so they open up the storm door and then beat on the inside door. Well, that's called persistence. And salespeople think, well, if I keep on knocking, somebody will finally come because they're getting aggravated. But that's not really what God's talking about. What we're looking at here is being persistent in our search for the truth. There's only two reasons that I can really think of why we need to go from asking to seeking to knocking. Knocking means that you don't feel like you're getting the answer from God. You've already asked God for wisdom, but did you really ask, like James said, did you really ask in the Spirit? Did you ask with faith? Did you ask believing that God would and will give you the answer? Or did you say well, Lord, I just need the answer to this. I need it really fast. I need it right now. And then if you didn't get it right that second, you said, well, I guess it wasn't really that important anyway. And you just gave up. Well, there's many illustrations, many parables that Jesus shared about being persistent in prayer. And another reason for maybe needing to knock is just not fully doing what God wants you to do by digging into the Word See, I think sometimes God maybe doesn't give us that clear wisdom and understanding because He's already given it to us. It's in His Word, the Bible. He's saying, I've already given you the answer. Look, read, study, meditate on my Word, and you'll find the answer. Quit taking the shortcut. Quit quit asking me to cheat on the test for you. Don't ask your teacher for the answer to the test while you're taking the test. He's already given you the answers. It's in his textbook. Study it. Be prepared to use it for God's glory. So knocking is that persistence. There are times where God, in his infinite wisdom, when he knows that we are serious about opening up our hearts to his truth, that he will cause us to pause. He causes us to wait. He understands that sometimes we need to faith to trust him and to say, Lord, maybe right now is not the time to act. Maybe right now is the time for me to learn, to grow closer to you so that you can work in my life and use me in the way that you desire. But again, we need to be sincere in our prayers. Asking, believing that God's going to open up that, that win, window of opportunity for us to gain this wisdom and understanding of his word and his will for our lives. Then we are to seek. Make sure that we're not trying to take a shortcut. Seek out the truths that are already given to us. And then not persistent. Saying, Lord, I sense in my heart that this is what you want me to do. I'm not sure how to do it yet. I want to keep seeking and knocking until I'm ready to be obedient. So then God ensures us that he is willing to do these things to give us these things that we're asking for. And Jesus uses kind of a little parable. He says, if you are a good earthly father and your son comes to you and says, Dad, I'm hungry. I'd like some bread. I'd like a loaf of bread. Would you give him a stone instead? No, you're going to feed him what he needs. You're going to get... Now, in in Jesus' day, bread was a a huge, essential part of their diet. And if that same son comes and says, Dad, you know, bread's good, but I think I might need some other nutrients. You know, fish is something that's a part of that diet as well. Can I have some fish? Well, what good earthly fathers go say, Well, here's a snake instead you got to remember, this is before Peter saw the curtain or the sheet come down and for God to say, kill and eat all these unclean animals. At this time, a snake would still be considered an unclean animal. And even if it got cooked, skin cooked and all whatever you do with a snake, it would still not be what was permissible for this child to eat. In other words, he's saying, if we, as good earthly parents, and then he uses the word as evil parents. Why did he call us evil? We're not that bad, are we? Yes, we are. We're still sinners. We're still, we are still sinners in the eyes of God. If we, being evil, do good things for our children, then what about our great Heavenly Father? Will he not do even greater for us? I don't know what kind of earthly father you may have had. He may have been a, a godly man. He may not have been. But it doesn't matter what kind of a parent we had growing up. We have an incredible, loving, godly father who loves us unconditionally, who is willing to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from our righteousness, and then as we become a child of God... He says, now I want to use you for my honor, and for my glory, and I want you to do these things. And I will give you the wisdom, the knowledge, understanding, guidance that you need to live a life for me. And so basically what he's saying is, if our children ask for the basic essentials of life and we give those to them, how much more will our great heavenly father give to us? Now, if you're like many parents, you don't just make sure that your children have just enough food to survive or just enough clothing to keep from freezing to death. No, you go far beyond that. You make sure they have nutritious meals. You make sure they have ample clothing for all seasons You do whatever you can to help them gain education so they can be a productive person in life. You do all the things that you can to help them to succeed in life. You sacrifice quite a bit in order to do that. If we're willing to do that, how much more will our great Heavenly Father do for us? He is faithful. He is willing to do all in abundance of what we need. Now we look at that last verse, verse 12. It kind of stands alone, but it's also a part of this. Verse 12 says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, most of you probably understand that this is the what's called the golden rule. Now, that's probably not how we memorized it. Uh, We probably memorized it out of Luke chapter 6, verse 31. It's a repeat there where Luke is uh, repeating some of these same things that Jesus said. And in the NIV version is where we probably remember it the most, where it says, do to others as you would have them do to you. The golden rule. Very simple. How do we treat other people? Not how they have treated us, whether good or bad, but how you would want them to treat you. See, it's it's seldom that everybody treats you the way you want to be treated. But we are always to treat other people how we would like to be treated. See, there's a difference between sharing love and being loving, being encouraging and sharing faith with others when they show hatred and evil towards us. Our human nature says, I want vengeance. I want to retaliate because you have done evil towards me. I want to strike back because of how you've treated me. But Jesus, in this great Sermon on the Mount, says, Do to them how you would like for them to do to you. Treat them like you want to be treated. Now we look and we see that there's quite a few different passages of Scripture earlier in this same sermon that jesus preaching back in matthew chapter 5 verse 44 he says but i say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you then later paul in romans chapter 12 verse 14 says bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse now the bible's filled with these types of passages about being persecuted and how we are to respond Every time it says that we are to love them in return, to bless them, to love them, to show them the love of Christ instead of retaliating and treating them like they have treated you. We're not to treat them how they have treated us. We are to treat them how we would want to be treated by them. So basically, however you want to be treated is how you should be treating others. That's the golden rule. Then he says, by doing this, for this is the law and the prophets. He's saying if you live this simple principle of showing love, blessing, and not cursing others, no matter how they treat you, you are fulfilling the law and the prophets. In other words, you are fulfilling the word of God. You are being obedient to God. And so he's just saying... Here's this sermon I've been preaching since Matthew 4, um, Matthew 5. He has shown us the Beatitudes. He has shown us that through the Beatitudes, this is how you become a child of God. And it's not easy. It is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It is aching to 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 weeping over your sinfulness and many other things and then we start to take on those characteristics of christ and then he shows us that in addition to becoming a child of god you're still to be obedient to the word of god and he says here are the laws here's the ten commandments keep them I don't want a single jot or tittle, a little mark or a smallest word to, to, to disappear from these laws. They are still in, in force today. And what he's saying is not just the letter of the law, but I want you to understand the heart of the law. Then he talks about how we are to live, how we're to give, how we're to pray, how we're to minister to others and gives examples of those. And then he shows us, as we dealt with a couple of weeks ago, That as we mature as children of God, he wants us to be used to help others who are struggling in their spiritual walk. How do we do that? Not in our own strength or our, our own abilities, but we pray, we ask, we seek, and we knock. We ask God for wisdom, and he will give it to us generously without reproach. We seek, we seek through the searching of the word, digging out these truths, applying them to our lives. Then we knock, we become persistent, say, Lord, I want to be faithful every minute of every day. But I need you because only the spirit of God can work in the child of God to do the will of God. So we need God. We need his spirit in filling us each and every minute of every day. So just kind of wrapping these up, asking, seeking and knocking. They're not to be used for self-centered gain. We don't ask God for riches. We don't ask God for things that are self-centered. We don't seek after fame and fortune. We don't knock for opportunities to open up that would make us be beneficiaries. No, we seek for godly wisdom. We we ask for godly wisdom. We seek for the truths of his word and we knock so that we can be persistent in fulfilling God's will. So we look and we see that for God will answer our prayers. And that's what he promises in verse seven. He answers Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks it will be open. Promises of God. Can we count on God to be faithful? Has God ever broken a promise? Never. God is always faithful in his word. So when he tells us these things, we can count on him. We can trust him. But just like James said, when we ask, we must ask believing in faith. Just as Jesus was saying, if we as earthly parents do all we can to take care of our own children, how much more will our great Heavenly Father, fulfill our needs spiritually. Let's bow together in prayer.